podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, it's Love Sport Radio London. Wow, the season, it's just, it's so there. It's, it's just nearly, I mean, don't get me wrong, the Football League was amazing. It has been an amazing weekend of football. 97 goals across three leagues, but the big one everyone is waiting for with some really tasty opening weekend fixtures is the Premier League. West Ham United take on Liverpool this weekend. Is it Sunday? Sunday, yeah. 1.30? 1.30 kickoff, yeah. Buzzing. What a Sunday. Uh, A bit of Sunday afternoon football, that is. It's the West Ham Fan Show with West Ham. Well, joining me, James Jones, as per usual, spotting a lovely, lovely Clarence shirt there. I wore this one specially. Delightful. It's delightful. I I really enjoy it. I'm surprised you haven't got like a retro kit out, the old Dagnan Motors kit now. No, no, I've got one coming in the post, actually, um, which is really retro. I think it's 80, I think it's the 86 one. So I might wear that next week. Look forward to uh, seeing that elsewhere. We've also been joined by Evening Standard sports reporter Jack Rosser. Jack, good evening. Welcome. Good evening. Is, is your debut on here? It's not. I, I was on once last season, I think. You were on once last season. Times, yeah. Good, good, good. Good to have you on board anyway. We're going to be keeping you across the football this evening. Hull City taking on Aston Villa in the Championship. We're looking at uh, transfer gossip as it happens transfer rumours the the deadline is Thursday oh terrible deadline mm. I'd keep it till the end of the month personally I, I know everyone has got their reasons from wanting it to be um, you know in place for just before the start of the season but I just think it adds to a bit of excitement even if it involves you know players from my own team being linked away and whatnot. it still adds to it just adds to a bit of it but they've got the, they've got the even though we close on Thursday we can still English clubs can still sell abroad can't they it's just that we can't buy anyone so I don't think a lot of Premier League clubs are going to be safe are they I mean you keep you think oh, we might, we've kept our star man and then Barcelona might come in and sign Martin Noble Martin Noble or something like that which would be devastating absolutely devastating <laughs> but I mean I'm, I'm quite for the, the the window closing before the season starts it's, it's just quite nice to get it out of the way from my perspective well yeah from, yeah. from both of our perspectives yeah. I think you know it's uh, the deadline day has always been a bit of a stressful day for us isn't it so be nice to finish at five on Thursday and, and not have to worry about it. Is it going to be a stressful one for you this year, though? Because it looks like it's been a very positive transfer window for West Ham United. If I look at clubs, if I could rank the top five clubs who have had great windows, Liverpool being there, Fulham, Wolves, um, you know, I'm not sure who else in that Premier League has had a great window. I know Spurs haven't had a great window. No. Chelsea haven't. Arsenal have had a decent window. Yeah, they've, they've done quite and, and And West Ham. I think West Ham have had a brilliant window. You've signed some great players. Felipe Anderson, you know, a man linked with, you know, Europe's elite a couple of seasons ago, maybe even up to a season ago, a season ago mm-hmm. is now West Ham United player. Andrei Yarmolenko has so much to offer. Experienced campaigner. You're going to be bringing in Lucas. It's been great. It's been... It's been an interesting summer, like almost really. I'm not too sure 
it's actually happened because we're not really used to West Ham spending this sort of money. Um, but my only concern now is that you know if we've got one or two new uh, more players to come in before Thursday's deadline, are we getting to the point where we brought in too many too quickly? Um, if we bring in two more, that'll be ten new ten new faces. I mean, I know one or two is probably going to go straight into the under twenty three under twenty threes for a little bit, but even so, that'd be eight first team players straight straight in with a new manager with a new coaching team. Is it too much too soon? I don't know. Um, but I mean, the, the caliber of players we can't argue with that. I mean, as you said, Anderson, Yarmolenko, Jack Wilshere is a brilliant brilliant addition if we can keep him fit. So um, it's been a good summer. It's been a positive summer. It's a bigger squad, like you said. There is there is that worry. I think that the, the balance might be off a bit. There's still a couple that could, that could leave. Um, Sam Byram's still waiting to mm. to go. Really, I think is is unfortunately his time's up. Um, I thought it was a good signing when he joined, but it's just not really gone for him. Uh, Jordan Hugill still. I, Pellegrini, I wouldn't I wouldn't say fancies him, but you know there might still just be a future there. That, I suppose that all depends on the Perez deal, um, whether or not that goes through, which it looks like it will. Um, but I think, you know, it has been a good window. Um, but, you know, I was saying the the same thing this time last season. So it's, it, it is, it's exciting, but it still needs to be sort of proven. It's just, the way I see it is that we've, we seem to have come a long way already from, from the circus of last season and the two really, really shabby transfer windows that we had last season and even the season before that. Um, to, to now really looking positive and looking up and you know we've got a world class manager in we've got some really good players in through the door and you know it, it, for once it we're going into a season you know with our heads held high and with, with a lot of hope and promise rather than expecting a, a, like a, you know, a relegation battle I think if you compare it to the summer window from two years ago when I think it was like 13 new players joined and the club did that big social post where you could I can't remember I think they spelled out West Ham United or something oh, yeah, with every single new signing cringe and, yeah oh, it was awful cringe. <laughs> yeah, but, but the, the quality of signings w- wasn't there no. I mean Simone Zaza Faguli um, Gokhan Torre Gokhan Torre yeah. Ar- Arbalawa came that I think was Arbalawa came that year was the yeah I th- wasn't his like, most famous appearance in, at West Ham in, in the pub it was yeah. yeah yeah he joined us in the pub for a pint yeah so that I mean that sums up exactly what happened two years ago. You contrast that to now, and there are some really quality players. The board still obviously have their faults, but this is one thing that they can't be lamented for this season. Um, whether you agree with that, I mean, with what they're doing or not, they still have a lot of flaws. But it's one thing that if you're going to throw a coin at them this year, which I obviously don't endorse, you can't throw a coin at them for not spending money. I think the board deserve a lot of credit for this summer. Um, as you said, they still get their flaws, and you know, just one good summer of transfers doesn't doesn't automatically like undo, like sort of just undo everything that they've done, all those broken promises and, and whatnot. But to, for David Sullivan to take a step back from the transfers, appoint Pellegrini, let Pellegrini bring in his own director of football, you can you immediately saw the difference in the way that we operate in the transfer window. It was professional. It was, you know, it was completely out of the blue. Some of these signings, and they were, it was, it was just really efficient and professional. And to see West Ham do business in that way was really refreshing. Um, and to do it consistently throughout the summer, without really, apart from the Anderson deal, which was beginning to be a bit of a saga, but the fact that we we continued, we, we kept going back. And paid the money. We paid the money. We kept going back for him. We just didn't give up on that deal. And we went and we showed him that we really wanted him. 
rather than just coming on the radio and going, oh, we want to we want to spend forty fifty million pound on on this player and then not really caring. Yeah. This year they just went, no, we're going to get him. And I'm pursuing a lot him. of that is behind Hugh Silos, the director of football, and Pellegrini going, oh, we want full control and we want that player. And uh, full credit to the full credit to the board. They still got a lot to do to get the fans back on side, but this summer they've done a lot to start repairing that. That professional approach, though, does need to be taken to sort of other aspects of the club. I mean, they've approached transfers really well. Yeah. You look at the sort of structural surround of the club. I mean, the training ground needs a lot of money. Pat Green has already already raised his concerns about that. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I, I heard. I mean, he, manager really after manager have raised their concerns, and nothing's been done about it. I heard that Pellegrini had actually ordered a load of changes, like immediately. Whether that's happened or not, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think, I, th- I think it'll be. In- I'm back there for the first time on Friday, I think. Um, so we'll have a look and see if anything has changed. But it's something that needs to be done, and it's something that manager after manager has said needed to be done, so you can take that approach into into that, it'd be great. Mm. Traps, we're going to continue looking over what's been a decent summer for West Ham United to the summer of change. We'd like to hear from you, though. 0208 70 20 at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. My name's Aaron Paul, joining me, James Jones, and... Evening Standards' uh, very own uh, Jack. In fact, Jack, I had your surname here, Jack Rosser. I had it written down here. You asked a great question, though, to us during the break, which was, is Lucas Perez a good signing? And I just said straight away, it feels old school West Ham. It feels like an Elan. It feels like a, <laughs> a Guille Franco. It feels like someone who just... He's just been signed for the sake of it. I mean, someone like Nikita Jelovic. It, it feels like someone that doesn't, you know, we were talking just now about how professionally they've approached this window and the the sort of calibre of players they've targeted. And, and don't get me wrong, Lucas Perez on his day, it does look a good striker. He's got a bit of experience of the, of the Premier League. Um, I think we wrote today that it could be as, as little as five million that he signs for. So if it's a deal in that mould... Fine. The money they've spent this summer, five million, doesn't really factor into that too much. It's more how much you're paying him wage-wise. Mm. If he's willing to take a pay cut to stay in London, which is what we're told he wants to do, wants to prove himself in the Premier League, then great. If he's on big money, like Andy Carroll, players like that are, then it puts a bit of pressure on him over, over the season. I, I agree. I mean, when I saw that, I think I, I first saw it this morning that we that we were interested in signing him. And initially I did think, oh, I'm not too sure. Is this, does this fit in with us? You know, is this what, what we really should be going for? Particularly after we've been heavily linked with that Morega at Porto who scored a lot of goals last year. Want, Porto want a lot And they want a lot of money for him. But, you know... But then, at the same, in the same, in the same, um, at the same side of it, is that a couple of a couple of weeks ago, Aaron, we were we were saying that where Pellegrini's concerned and the players that that he looks at and that he he looks to bring in, you know, I kind of trust him to to make the right decision, and he will know about Perez because he knows the La Liga quite well, and obviously Perez yeah. Perez has performed in La Liga. That's why Arsenal bought him because he was doing it in La Liga. So, you know. With that side of the coin, I think it might be a bit of a master strike. And if it's only five million quid, if he does flop, then you know it's not as if we're left without any strikers, which is normally the case with West Ham. Like when we brought in Zaza, we had no one because Andy Carroll was always injured. At the moment, we've got Anatovic who can play up front. We've got Hernandez who's back now, scored his first game pre-season. Um, so it's not as if we're going to be left without anyone if he does flop. It'll be interesting um, to watch Hernandez as well this season, actually. Mm. Just cutting in, but. He really wasn't happy last season. I know he, he was causing a lot of trouble throughout the season. Behind the scenes, he was causing a couple of problems. 
didn't really seem to have the best relationship with Moyes, mm. didn't fit the style that Moyes played, whether the style changes significantly that works for him, but given a chance under a new manager, it might be a, a, a good season to see him. Well, we, uh, on that note, we, we briefly saw how Pellegrini might think about fitting him in alongside Anatovic when he came back for that last game against, was it uh, Mainz or Angers? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and he played a more, it was more like a 4 4 2, wasn't it? Um, with Anatovic and Hernandez up front, and Hernandez scored. Um, and Anatovic was involved in the build up. So, and that was, I mean, all season, it's, or all pre season before, it was 4 3 3. And then as soon as Hernandez is back, it's 4 4 2. So that shows how, we, how Pellegrini sees, I think, sees how Hernandez fits into that team and how we can adapt if he's ever out the team, how we can change our tactics accordingly. Well, you've certainly got enough players to adapt like that. I, I mean, mm trying to fit Yarmolenko and Anderson and I mean you don't know how big a role he'll play but Snodgrass has been brilliant in pre-season yeah. he's, he's become popular again it seems yeah. um, to fit those players into the team as well as Arnautovic as well as Hernandez as well as Antonio who's playing well again doesn't look like he's going to be sold um, then it's quite encouraging to have that flexible front it's, line it's why I'm surprised that we're we're even Going that you know, doing trying to do business for another striker because we've got the players there to to play that role. And okay, we, we might just have two strikers, but as you said, we've still got Hugo on the books. He's not a bad bad backup to have as a third choice. Can you not see him going out on loan? I think he probably will go out on loan. Um, as you said earlier, Jack, that you know there's a chance that he, st- he could still go, but. You know, or there's Tony Martinez who's sitting in the in the 23s. He scored a goal early in pre-season. He was on loan at Oxford, I believe. Was, was it last season or the season before? I think it was the season before, and he mm. went over, he went over to Spain last year. Um, again, he's he's a player that's itching to play in the first team. I, like, okay, I'm not totally against the the, the Perez signing, the Lucas signing, but at the same time, you've got a young player like Tony Martinez in there. It's going to save you five million quid. Play him as the third choice because where where does Perez fit in? He's not going to be first choice, surely. You, you never know. It depends how Pellegrini wants to play, which is what will be interesting to see in a com- sort of competitive, um, a competitive game against against decent opposition. Because you know you can't learn too much from pre-season. Tony Martinez is a bit of a worry. I mean, Hugo, as much as it seems like you know he's relishing the chance in the Premier League, working very hard, it just hasn't come from him. When you you sit there and watch him, I I, I think you'd rather you'd obviously rather have Perez mm. as, your, as your third choice striker over mm. Hugo. Martinez, the chances he got last season, I think he got a couple in the cup. Yeah, he got a couple in the, in the league cup. cup yeah. And look well off it and look, you know, sort of prove why mm. when fans were clamouring for him to, to be in first first team squads in the Premier League, sort of prove why Moyes wasn't putting him in. Mm. So I think there is still something to be resolved there. I don't think it's completely um, completely out of the left field that they're going for a striker. I know it's something Pellegrini has sort of has wanted from, from the get-go. Mm. Um it, but it will, you know, as we've said, be interesting to see how they sort of fit everyone in. Yeah, I, th- I agree with you completely. There's got to be some form of strategy to it, you know. And, and Pellegrini, I mean, this is an interesting one for you both of you guys. Going by, you know, the, the managers in the past that West Ham United have had, do you feel that Pellegrini has maybe had the most say on transfers in managers in recent years? Well, that's what he demanded. That's what he demanded before. I think he even said it in, in his opening press conference, didn't he? That you know he only really agreed to take the job if he was given full control over these transfers, and that's where he was allowed to bring this director of football. 
um, and was allowed full say. And when I heard about that, just before he was he, he was appointed, and there was all this talk about how he'd only got the job because of that. I thought, yeah, it's all very well promising him that he's going to get all, all the transfers, but is he going to be backed? Is David Sullivan going to write a cheque for 42 million quid for whoever? And he's done that. So, But you're right, he is the, the first manager, probably since Redknapp, I would say, that's had full control since over... Since Redknapp? Well, I mean, everyone knows Redknapp loved to, you know, had all con- full control over the transfer window, whether that was good or bad over the years, but... I don't know, I don't remember. I mean, maybe Alan Pardew to an extent, but Sam Allardyce, perhaps, but I think it was it's something that certainly in the last two years, two three years, has become a lot more prevalent in David Sullivan just sort of being like, oh, do you know what? I fancy a crack at this. I fancy, you yeah. know, I'll take the lead on this. It's gone horribly wrong. So I think it was something that was that was probably going to happen. Maybe not to this extent. If if Moyes had stayed, for example, mm. it, it was something that it was a real sticking point for Moyes. Um, he brought it up every single week in terms of how much control he wanted and, and changes he wanted to make over the summer. Um, so it is, it is something that, that was going to happen, but it is quite encouraging to see already that, that this sort of director of football strategy is, is being used. And it certainly would have enticed me, yeah. really. Yeah, I mean, we were we were well behind the times not, not appointing a director of football years ago. Um, so it's nice to see it happen. And for it to be working, I mean, obviously, we only really know whether it will would have truly worked maybe 10 games into the season and see where we are um, and how we've been playing and the results we've been getting but it certainly feels like we're finally a football club behaving like a football club should um, with you know with a you know after so many years of just being a complete and utter circus it's nice to actually have a director of football doing doing deals with a, with a good manager and bringing in top class players so yeah it'd be interesting to see if Paris does come in how how he fits into the team. I know there's one or two other players been been linked. Is it that um, Thiago Maia? Yeah, the guy from Lille. I think I think that's one more area that that Pellegrini Pellegrini sort of wants to target after selling Kiate, mm. which I think is the right decision. It was a, you know I think I tweeted afterwards. It was a shame to see it not really properly work out for him because when he's on his day, fantastic. Yeah. But it just wasn't. You know those days were very very rare. And I think I like Declan Rice in in the sort of holding role, which I think we'll probably talk about in a bit. We go on to pre-season, mm. but yeah, th- that's another area he wants to sign. So I think that Perez looks like it's happening, and then if it, if the money's there and if it can happen, one more, which could be that Thiago Mayer. Mm. Um, we were going to look back at the West Ham United pre-season and uh, and check how the Hammers got on. Do you feel it's been successful? I think it has. Yeah, the first game we lost um, to FC Winterthur. Um, lost that three two, but since then we've we've gone unbeaten. A few few draws in there. Um, won the Betway Cup as well, which is brilliant. We won the Betway Cup for once. We was that on penalties? Won it on penalties, yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, we, we played some okay opposition as well. I mean, Preston, Villa, and Ipswich. Um, apart from Preston, we won all of those. We drew two two with Preston. Um, Angers won that one nil last week. So I mean, it's been a good preseason. I'm always a bit wary about preseason because the last time we were we, we went unbeaten in the summer we got relegated under Avram Grant so I um, remember I, that sort of thing yeah I mean because it, it's always it, ever since then I've gone I'm, I'm not going to pay much attention to the to pre-season because it's always a bit of a uh, gives you a bit of false hope but I suppose you, you can't not be quite encouraged by the way that the way that we've performed and he's, he's tried different tactics out with you know and a lot of the games we've been 
he's been tinkering a lot. He's been playing sort of one team first half, the other team the second half, or he's been making a lot of changes at once. He's been trying centre back partnerships out. He's been trying attacking partnerships out. So, um, when he was playing four three three, it was you know working out who was best you know, on the right. If it was you know Yarmolenko or Snodgrass or um, um, and who was linking up better with Arnautovic. So I think I think it's been pretty encouraging. Again. You can't really read too much into it because it is only pre-season. It's it's an exercise to get. It's the fitness exercise, isn't it? It's workout tactics. Get fit, get match fit. I don't, don't think it has much of a, you know, a, an indication on how you're going to do in the season. I think the one thing you can take from it is they've looked quite direct in their approach in terms of you know, Pellegrini likes to move the ball forward quite quickly, but mm. they're doing it in quite a nice manner. The midfields look really good. Um, the sort of I think a trio I've seen a fair bit of is Rice, Noble and Wilshire, mm. which you sort of wouldn't on paper think would be that outstanding, but they've looked quite good together. Rice has been fantastic. I mean, it's a role that Moyes always sort of, you know, going to press conferences last year, everyone would be like, oh, I did brilliant again, we, you know, apart from that one mistake that got all the publicity, but mm. he'd always, no one, no one would bring it up, but he'd always be like, and don't forget, you know, midfield, midfield, midfield. So I think it was, it's something that's always been planned for Declan Rice, and he looks good, he looks good there. When you know he's got those mistakes in his locker somewhere, maybe it's better for him, you know, still 19, to be playing that role. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's looked like a creative midfield, which was the big problem last season. You used to look on a team sheet and just think there's nothing coming from Noble, Kiate, Obiang. Mm. It, it just wasn't there. Whereas they're now spraying balls forward all the time straight through midfield. It's something you can go through rather than relying on I mean, last season you had to rely on either Creswell and Zabaleta or, Cres- or Zabaleta and Masuaku, mm. which, I mean, Masuaku can get there, but what happens at the end is, is anyone's guess. Creswell is, is good, but his delivery wasn't fantastic last season. So I think to see that sort of, you've got that second option coming from midfield is, is exciting. Mm-hmm. Still looks a little bit disjointed to go forward, but that's to be expected when you get all the changes and, and you're still early under, under a new manager. But it's, it's encouraging to see. Yeah, I think one thing that has has encouraged encouraged me is the the role that Noble's played. Because I really feared for for Noble's future at the club when Pellegrini came in and all these signs were coming, and I thought, you know what, he, he could end up being forced to the bench here, or you know, Pellegrini might might get rid of him. But he seems to seems to be in Pellegrini's plans and as part of that midfield, alongside Wilshire, it seems as though they've ripped up a bit of a bit of a partnership. And as you said, the creativity come like a lot of that, that. That's just adding Wilshire to that midfield. Like the creativity, if we can keep him fit, I think he's going to be probably our most important signing. I, I don't think you'll get a full season out of him. I don't. I, I, I think well. I don't think he's done ninety minutes in pre-season yet. I know he got hauled off against um, Andrews in the last one. Um, I think it was about sixty, seventy minutes mm. he came off. But I think even if say you just, I mean, Martin Noble didn't play every game last season. I, I, don't, I don't think it'd be wise to play him in every game this season. Mm. If you rotate that role between Noble and Wilshire with another two, then you know you've got a decent-looking midfield. You've got enough numbers there yeah. at last. Yeah, and I think, as you said about Declan Rice, I think he his future is in midfield. And it, what from what we've seen, he's he's slotted into that midfield alongside Noble and Wilshire quite well. He did tweet after one game. He's like, "I'm loving the midfield role." I saw that, yeah. Um, which which kind of hinted that that's where he's going to be playing this year. Yeah. And it was nice. It's nice to see a player come out and say that he's enjoy he's enjoying, you know, what he's doing. So, um, and particularly with a new manager, the fact that 
the new manager's come in and he's loving it under him as well. Um, it's, it's, it's certainly an encouraging uh, encouraging aspect. Checo Kiate gone, Crystal Palace. I think he'll fit in quite well there. Don't you agree? I, I think, you know, it's a sort of low-risk signing for, for Hodgson, I think, as we mentioned earlier. <laughs> it's a shame that it didn't work out for him at, at West Ham. Seems like a really likeable character. Mm. Um, someone that always, always seemingly works hard. Just didn't really come off. So going to Palace, fresh start, same city, but you won't have that sort of upheaval. Um, and you know, Palace need a midfield. Uh, well, you say work works hard. He worked hard for his first season at the club, and then with every passing season after that, he, t- he just seemed to get more lazy and lazy and lazy. And there's that clip from when we played Shrewsbury in the in the FA Cup at third round last year. And Shrewsbury are running, running towards our penalty area, and the, f- the focus is on him, on Kuwate, and he is not trying to tackle the Shrewsbury player at all, and he's just jogging and just that, watching. That was the a strange game, him. that one. And I mean, it was the worst game of football I've ever seen. But the fact is, like, he just and that, that wasn't the only time that happened. He rarely tracked back, and when he did track back, it was half-heartedly. And a lot of West Ham fans just noticed that he was putting less and less effort into into his football. And I'm quite happy he's gone. Well, let's cross over to Essex and talk to Dan, the West Ham fan. Evening, Dan. Hi, guys. How are you? Very well, thanks, pal. Good to have you on board. Um, what do you want to say to the gents? Just wanted to echo what um, the boys were saying, really, regarding Noble. And how well I've watched every preseason game, to be honest with you, and I think that he's actually looked like one of the sharpest players that we've got. Now, I've watched Wiltshire. He does not look fully fit, in my opinion. He looks sluggish, a little bit sluggish. But look, we all know what sort of caliber of a player that Jack Wiltshire is. But will he? Will we get out of him for for the full season? I'm not sure. But like I said, Noble has looked fantastic always been one of my favorite players but i honestly think this is his season i think it will either be this season he has a blinding season or it's going to be he, he's going to get benched halfway through the season if will shear and let's say some of the other boys in the middle pull their finger out and start playing well um also i'd like to have a chat about masuaku and Cresswell. if he does play four at the back who do we choose? What do you? What, and what's your opinions on who we choose at left back? If, it, is it, if it's playing four at the back, who do we choose? Masuaku or Creswell? In your opinions? I think if it's four at the back, you, you go with Aaron Creswell. Really, I think if you've got if you've got that uh, extra cover of a, of a three man defence, then I personally I'd still pick Creswell. But but you can allow Masuaku a bit more bit more freedom to get forward, and and he's he's quicker and a bit bit more of a handful but I think Creswell is, is the better player Masuaku wasn't I mean he, he performed well enough when he came in but he wasn't really trusted by the by the old uh, regime manager and coaching staff there, there's a you've, you've got to have the defensive side whether you're good at going forward or not whether you're playing as a left back or a wing back you still have to have that yeah. as a basic capability and yeah. he doesn't I mean, that's, the, that's the difference between the two of them is that Criswell can defend and Masuaku can't um, going forward, they're both very, very good. But you know, if, if you're playing a back four, then you need that defensive capability, and I think Chris Will fits that well. And Chris Will can still get forward. He's still he's still used to that back four role, isn't he? So um, that I mean, Chris Will's a no-brainer. I think. I think Dan, who would you have? I would have Chris Will, 
But, I mean, he's he's not the best at taking on a man, in, in my opinion. I'm, I think Masuaku's fantastic at, at, taking, at taking a defender on or any, anyone he's up against. I think he can take someone on the best in our team, to be honest with you, even with Philippe Anderson. One-on-one, I think, is brilliant. Like you say, though, his final ball isn't great. And we all know Cresswell with Payet, they work brilliantly together. We scored a lot of goals from the left with Cresswell playing left-back, not left-wing-back. So I would go with Cresswell. But it's, it's, a, it's not a bad position to be in with Masuaku or Cresswell, to be honest with you, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's sort of what I was uh, just wanted to know from you lot, really. Back in 2016, Cresswell had, like, a, a sort of an injury, didn't he? Um, I mean, that pre-season. kept him out pre-season. Yeah. You know, I think he missed quite a few <laughs> games. Do you reckon that's impacted his ability somewhat? You know, maybe the fear of, of, of yeah. and the psychology, maybe? Well, 100% I do. And I, what, also what I think about him is he's quite a big confidence player. When he was playing alongside Payet and they was working together, his, his, fight, his ball and cross into the box, even set pieces, were fantastic. I don't think you could name a left-back in the league that was putting in as good a ball at that time as Aaron Cresswell. Then Dan, Aaron being, Cresswell, snu- being snubbed for the Euros... That must have done yeah. something for him as well, because I mean, I was part of the team get Aaron Cresswell and and Mark Noble to the Euros that mm. year. You know, they they both should have gone, and but I especially Aaron Cresswell. I think he had a, a great season. I think maybe yeah. that affected him, and, and maybe his confidence was not. Yeah, and also when a player gets injured like he did, listen, he should have been there in my opinion, and I'm I'm with you. Do you know what I mean? I agree. He should have been there, but when someone gets an injury, I do think they're a little bit scared and. To, to, as a, as a defender as well, it's a little bit similar to Leighton Baines. He's never been as good as... I mean, he's, he's battled with a few injuries. But when you're a defender, you've got to put in these big tackles and you've got to do a lot of running as a left-back or a right-back. So I do think that the injury played a big part. Being snubbed from the Euros plays a big part. And just having a little bit... Someone to feed off in the team that you're, mm. you've got a good partnership with. I don't see that at the moment with anyone. Obviously, I know he hasn't played too much as a, as a left-back. He's been playing sort of... He was left at the back three last season, weren't he? So, mm. I think yeah, it, I do. I mean... I think it's, it's something that it, remains it, to be seen over over how it works with the likes of Yarmolenko and, and Anderson, you know, propping up that front three. If he can, like you say, develop a, a similar partnership to the Pirate one with one of those, then there's there's I think there's absolutely no problem with having him starting week in, week out. Yeah, 100. I also think our right side at the moment never looked so strong. Yarmolenko, um, Antonio, Zabaleta and Fredericks. I think that is fantastic, to be honest with you. Who would you... I mean, I watched the game, the game in Austria, the last one where we won... Um, was it? Did we win 1-0? Yeah. Last time around, Hernandez scored. Antonio and Fredericks, I've never seen such a quick wing in all my life. That's the truth. Would you like to see Fredericks start the season over Zabaleta, or would you, would you rather him be bedded in slowly? <sighs> I'd start him. I'd start. I'd, start. I'd agree with both of you. I mean, purely because, I mean, you know, having watched Ryan Fredericks over the past three years consistently at Fulham, um, uh, chaps, literally, this guy will give you bundles of pace. And, you mm. know, granted, you may need someone to help him on that side, but look at the injection of pace that Liverpool got. Look at the attacking prowess they've got. You you may have a case of Pablo Zabaleta just pausing and go, just letting him, you know, fly past him. Mm. He, he doesn't have the legs anymore. I know he was a signing last summer. He's got, you know, a, a decent contract on him, but Ryan Fredericks has been brought in purely because he adds so much pace into that back line. Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, 
from what I've seen in the in the uh, playoff final and through throughout preseason, you don't. It's not every day you see a, a a player be able to keep up with Antonio, let alone overlap him on the wing. You know, so I've never. To be honest, he, he's super fast, and I've read something that he was when he was at school, he was at district level sprinting wise and whatnot. And I mean, I think that's one of the best signings we've made in the summer. To be honest with you, definitely, Ryan Fredericks. Definitely, definitely on a on a free. That it's a no brainer for everyone. And I can't see anyone giving him too much stick either because he's come through grassroots football. He's, he's done very, very well for himself. And I look I look forward to watching him week in, week out, to be honest with you. Yeah, likewise. Very quickly, Dan, how do you see the Hammers getting on this season? No excuses now, is there? No excuses whatsoever. Look, we know it's West Ham, you know. We can never get our hopes up too high. But if, if we finish anywhere from, I mean, 6th to 10th, I'll take that all day long. Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much, Dan, for your call. Dan calling there from Essex. The transfer window's warming up. What teams around you have you looked at and thought, yeah, they've done all right? Fulham's uh, the only one, I think. I think Fulham, I mean, Wolves are a little bit of an unknown quantity. I think, again, they're spending a lot of money. Um, but is it all going to gel? Is it all going to work? I know it works in the Championship, but Premier League's a completely different beast, isn't it? Um, Fulham have done some very good business. I've been very impressed with Fulham. And I think, I, I said this a couple of weeks ago, I think Palace have done some okay business. Max Meyer, I think on a free transfer, I know he's not the one, the kid, he was he, he was all sort of like uh, wrapped up to be a couple of years ago, but I think on a free transfer, I mean, he could really be a, a good signing for them. If they keep Zaha, they, they, I mean, they'll be all right next season, but that's huge. Mm. They still haven't done enough for me. They need a striker. I definitely need a striker, yeah. I mean... Um, Solov or whoever they got in last season. Benteke, yeah. 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 Benteke is it's just not at all happened. Mm. And you know, you sort of whenever you go down to Sellers Park and you you look at that squad, it's very thin. They need a they need a lot, but they've got the money for it. Meyer's a good signing. Um there aren't too many clubs sort of in and around West Ham who have had a, a, a stellar season. Richarlison's a good signing for Everton. But, but with Marco Silva, you never know which way it's going to go. I mm. mean, he's either a genius or a or a fool, depending on who you talk to. Mm. Um, so we'll see how that pans out. Southampton have had a quiet window. Average. Can you see them struggling next next season? Who Southampton? Uh, I, they have to improve. I, it can't be much worse than last season. They've got a full preseason with Mark Mark Hughes in now. Um, some of it was in China, where, which, which seems that they were just moaning about how overworked they were. But I think it, it has to improve. They've made some good signings. I mean, Stuart Armstrong, El Yunusi looks lively. Uh, another defender in Vestergaard. Um, Angus Gunn, which seems a, a strange deal. Um, I think it's about £12 million for a keeper that's going to sit on the bench. And they're, they're still trying to get rid of Forster. Um, but, I mean, yeah, like I said at the start, it, it can't be much worse than last season. I mean, I've... <sighs> As you said, I think that there haven't been many teams that maybe outside the top six, barring Wolves, Fulham. I've not been that over that overall really, by Wolves. That have really done anything of note um, to the point where you're going, well, you know, if 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 we if our players can gel, if our new signings can gel, and we can get off to a good start, then you know. I can't. I can't see many teams finishing above us outside the top six. But I know that sounds like a real, you know. A, no, but there's a, a point to be made in that. You know, a good window, and and it, it does all key on. Hang on, it gelling, and and that's the key thing. But 
given the dearth of talent outside the top six last season, mm. I mean, it, it was awful for Premier League standards. Mm. It, there was just a, everyone was defending. Yeah. And just waiting to be... Apart from Burnley. Uh, yeah, apart from Burnley, who t- sees the opportunity. They're not going to be anywhere near like they were last season well, because... They're in the same boat. They've not signed or sold anyone. Yeah, it's not gone too well. They've lost two keepers, two very good keepers. Mm. Um, and it's it's another club that you think are probably going to struggle with the, the, the introduction of European football. Apparently, Joe Hart had a medical there last week. Yeah, Joe Hart's on his way there. And, you know, West Ham fans will know how much that can help. Um... I, I, it could work, it might not. If he has the same season as he did last season, then Burnley are going to be nowhere near the the level that they were last season. Mm. Um, but there is a real opportunity for your Everton's, West Ham's, maybe Southampton, to sort of, you know, Leicester to go, right, here we go. Um, we, we, we'll take it on and we, and we fancy ourselves a European spot this year. Leicester are another team that, again, they haven't really... Haven't really Again, I don't we've done much. And if they, they lose Maguire... They announced either today or yesterday, yeah. yeah. I mean, even if, if they lose Maguire, then I th- uh, they're going to struggle. They, they did sign Evans. Is it Evans they signed earlier in the window? Yeah, I, I so, believe so. Um, but then, uh, I don't know, I mean, a, a, a back... A, a centre-back partnership of well, what, I mean, Wes Morgan and Johnny Evans doesn't It's, sli- it's slightly confidence. amazing that um, Claude Puel's still there, given all the rumours that were coming out from... From well, not even rumours. All the lines that were coming out from Leicester last year was that he had lost the changing room. And mm. the, the changing room were playing against him, mm. and it's something that you know it happened at Southampton. He lost some key figures at Southampton, gone to Leicester, started all right. Fans started turning on him. Dressing room turned on him. So we'll see what happens there. Maybe with Mares leaving, that's helped a little bit. You never know. Um, but yeah, Leicester are, are another. I don't expect them to do much this season. So there is a real chance for West Ham to. If they can start on the front foot, if it can click, there's a chance they have to go on and do something this season. I think, it, yeah, and I think a lot of it will. We've got a really difficult start to the season. I think our away games are very difficult. Our home games are okay. Um, or we've got Bournemouth at home, sandwiched by Liverpool and Arsenal away. Well, even there you go, Bournemouth. There's another team that haven't really done anything. Put mm. Rico the fullback. I think they've added a keeper, yeah. um, and then thereafter Lerma. Which looks like it's going to get done, but um, not really sure how that will go. Mm. Either way, then and they, oh, they got Woods from Sheffield United. That was how nice how long can Bournemouth sustain the fact that they only have a ten thousand capacity ground without you know breaking the bank every single summer? It's something the fans are really, really, really unhappy about. I mean, the club promised quite a while ago now that there was going to be a move. Um, plans were released, and it's just gone quiet fans are livid about it there's a Bournemouth aren't that sort of shiny brilliant pristine club that that they come across as in the Premier League things aren't all hunky-dory down there their transfers are seemingly flawed most seasons Mm. Um, they're not they can't spend the money that others can and Eddie Howe has done a not quite a miracle but a really really fantastic job to keep them they seem to have gone under the radar with what has happened in the seasons they've done well I think they finished they finished ninth a couple of seasons ago or last season even and um, that got sort of usurped by City being fantastic or Leicester winning the league things like that but I mean he's done a fantastic job but at some point it will change because Howe still can't organise a defence it just doesn't work and 
there's still no one really there. Callum Wilson's not the same player. Josh King doesn't thrive when Wilson's in the team because he plays a deeper role. So there's still, you know, it, it, it can't go on forever for Bournemouth. They seem like last season they were sort of just floating, you know, mm. and, and by the grace of other teams being worse than them, you know, Swansea being pretty poor and, and you know, everyone else who got relegated just being pretty horrendous, West Brom especially, um, you know, it seemed like uh, they, they, they managed to hold on. Goal for uh, Hull City, seven minutes on the clock, and it's their number seven, Evandro, who's grabbed the goal, a dipping volley. Uh, it looked like a dipping volley into the back of that net. Nigel Adkins looks pretty Looks quite happy, smart. Looks <laughs> pretty happy, <laughs> doesn't it? A ball finished. played in. Oh, poor punch away from the keeper. Oh, it's it's like lobbed lo- back oh, in. It's a dinked over. Say, it? It's a great finish, though, isn't it? It's a nice finish, but... I'm not sure he meant that. It needs to be defended. That was yeah, that there. poor, isn't it? That is poor from uh, the goalkeeper. He should have used his head. Our producer Josh said he should have uh, got it on the uh, on his head. Indeed, um, I'm just trying to find out who the goalkeeper was for Aston Villa. Um, you know they, they've had issues with the goalkeeper because Sam Johnston, who they had on loan last season, has ended up going to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Jed Steer, that formerly of Norwich City, is uh, is. In net to Aston Villa, they're currently 1-0 down to Hull City. But yeah, we're talking about obviously Bournemouth, uh, you know, a team that are, are situated around and about where West Ham United were. And, and we're in that group of 10 teams, that conglomerate that were just floating with relegation. And they just feel like they're treading water. Something that Swansea City were doing for a few years, something that Aston Villa and Sunderland were also doing for a few years. And I just reckon that maybe, just maybe, I don't want to admit it and think uh, and, and, and wish it for, to be true, but... It feels like they could be drawn into something serious this year. The warning signs were there last season, certainly. Um, they did turn it around in the end. There was a, there was a moment where it looked like they were done for, and and they turned it around again. And and they have a knack for doing that, even in games if they're if they're behind. They they often score quite a lot of late goals. It's a characteristic they have. Um, they did it last season, but if they take the warning signs, which they haven't exactly in the transfer market, but Eddie Howe puts a lot of faith in in sort of the collective. Um, so you never, you should never rule them out. They've, it looks like they've held, held on to Lewis Cook, who, mm. who Spurs were looking at a, a little, who's a fantastic player. Um, there's a few decisions to be made, a few players to to go out, like for Harry Arter, who you know, in January was linked with West Ham. Yeah, I, I believe yeah. that that I, th- I think that wouldn't really have been a deal. I mean, certainly in this new look. New look, inverted commas, West Ham's. Very, very much a David Moyes signing that would have been, wouldn't it? Well, I think if you if you look at the club in January, a lot of people were sort of accepting relegation already. Mm. Um, so I think you look at the club then, the club now, it probably was a sign that made sense then. But no, I think Bournemouth will be all right. I think there'll be teams that, that are worse than them this season. I can't see Cardiff staying up. Huddersfield were atrocious last se- at the end of last season. And I, then you I personally think Huddersf- it'll be Huddersfield, Brighton and one more. I, I, I really think that Brighton are done for as well. Um, you know, although I like Chris Houston and, you know, you can't not love him. He, he's, a, he's just a very, very nice guy. Um, I can see Cardiff maybe. Card- oh, Cardiff, certainly. The, the signings that all of those teams, all three of those teams, that again, they just don't, I don't inject you with much confidence, particularly Cardiff. They've only bought from the Championship, haven't they, or League One, um, which I think is a really poor way of doing business when you've just been promoted. Um, 
and then uh, Huddersfield and Brighton, I, ju- I couldn't even name you one player that either of them have signed. You've got to wonder, though, with, with Cardiff, if it's a case of Neil Warnock has gone out and just bought these players off his own back, or if his chairman's gone, well, this is the budget, and you're going to get players from here, because let's be fair, we're not going to spend and bring players in from the, the Premier League. But, but there's plenty of loans to be had from Premier League clubs that could Tammy come, Abraham. come down and do a bit. Tammy Abraham. Well, you know, he was at Swansea last year. But, but there's... there's a, there's a number of players that you could get from clubs in the top ten of the Premier League that could come down, young players come down and do do the business and and help you stay in the Premier League. Actually, give you a fighting chance to stay in the Premier League rather than just look in the lower leagues, the leagues you've just come to, and, and just deal with that. Talking about teams around us, talking about teams around West Ham, the expectation for those teams, obviously, you know, keeping it, well, analysing it whilst looking at spends as well. But also looking at West Ham and going, hey, where should these guys be finishing? Where should these guys be aiming for this season? What What is the ambition? Is it a case of we've got to go for Europe, we've got to stay up, we've got to go for a trophy? You know, we, League Cup, FA Cup, we've actually got to make tracks in these competitions. What, what is it? I think the problem, with, the problem with West Ham over the last couple of years is that we tried to run before we can walk, um, particularly with this, with this stadium move. The owners and and everyone involved in the club just really wanted to get get us into Europe. We had those two atrocious like qualifying campaigns for Europa League, got knocked out by Astra two years running, and we were the we were the laughing stock of of England, weren't we, for 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 those two seasons? And I think that's because we were just trying to do too much too soon. We had the stadium moved last year at some park, and then the stadium moved, and it was all like you know we're going to be in the top four, we're going to get to Europe, and. And I think we we didn't really. I think we just underestimated h- how difficult it is to not just get into Europe, but then actually stay there and, and become an, a, a regular club in Europe that can that can compete and actually do themselves justice. And I think <coughs> this season, although it'd be nice to be in Europe, I don't think that should be the aim. I think I think this season should just be, you know, let's just ensure that we're not in a relegation battle for once and then and then go from there just aim for mid-table you know, if we get a nice little cut run win the league cup and get into Europe for the back door then happy days but um, we're nice and low win the league cup well you know I, I think I mean that was my next point I think if, we, if we're going to just settle for mid-table then you've got to look at a cut run just to um, and I, I'd lo- I'd, I'm not saying that we sh- um, that I'd like to see us settle for mid-table obviously it'd be nice to do a little bit better but I think we need to be realistic. The signings have been good, the manager's good, but this is a completely new era. It's not going to happen overnight. We, we were guilty of thinking the stadium move was going to project us into into those, into those the top six or top four overnight, and it never did, and we almost got relegated twice. So let's just be a little bit more realistic and make, maybe focus on a, on the League Cup. If, if there's a cup we're going to win, it's the League Cup. That's the, be- that's the easiest opportunity uh, or the easiest cup to win in this competition because, you know, barring maybe you know, one or two, no one takes it seriously. It's an opportunity for a club like West Ham to win a trophy. I think, say the end of last season, the sort of bar would have been, you know, most fans would have just wanted a not uneventful, you want your team to do well, but in terms of all the chaos around the club, an uneventful season would be lovely mm. for fans. But once the money has been spent, I mean, it's pushing 100 million now, even more to be spent potentially before before the deadline on Thursday. Then you start to bring in a bit more expectation. Then you start to think, well, hang on, look how much we've spent. I mean, if you want to go into net spend, which a lot of people do, it's still quite high because you haven't brought in that much money. Mm. So looking at it that way, 
there will be some expectation for either to see brilliant attacking fantastic football every week or results in terms of the league finish I think I think you're right and I think the way, the way I see it and the way a lot of West Ham fans will see it is that if we if we playing the attacking and the attractive football that West Ham fans you know demand um, have demanded for a long time um, but then don't always get the results I think that that's you know, we can, we can accept that. What we what we haven't, what we struggled to accept, and what we couldn't accept over the last two years was playing really, really poor style of football, and still losing, and still losing badly to the likes of Brighton three 0 at home, Burnley three 0 at home, two seasons ago Watford four two Southampton, um, and I just, I just think if, if if we play an attacking football and we we lose the odd one here and there, or, or we if we if we go to somewhere like go to Anfield on Sunday and we, we take it to Liverpool and we're Get really decimated. and they beat us 3-0 do you know what I go do you know what at least they try to play football at least they try to attack rather than go there stick 11 men behind the ball and just and just hope to squeeze out a draw which is what we've been guilty of ok we might have got the odd one point playing that way in there or we might have nicked a 1-0 winner in there but we want to see attacking football we want to see the team go for it and I think under Pellegrini and the, judging by the signings he's made that's what he intends to do I th- I, I, it will be interesting to. I was, I was writing about this the other day it will be interesting to see how they um, they approach the game at Liverpool whether they do try and you know Pellegrini has been, has been brought in for this attacking brand of football whether that happens or not at Anfield is another question that's not mm. to say if it doesn't happen at Anfield it won't happen mm. for the rest of the season for obvious reasons but I think the, the, the low bar of football like you mentioned sticking 11 men behind the ball at the top six has sort of pushed out the chance for a West Ham an Everton a Leicester to go and make their mark on this season mm. because where Burnley finished last season they didn't do that by going out and playing fantastic football mm. they were just the best at sticking 11 men behind the ball mm. and getting a, a bit of luck a good result working hard and you know merits their finish but no one outside the top six really you thought oh, I'm looking forward to seeing them this weekend yeah, and, the- and I think really that's the base expectation for, for especially West Ham fans this season because I mean you mentioned it earlier that awful phrase the West Ham way which creeps back in every now and then but is this the closest season we're going to get to that West Ham way thing the the last time we played an attacking brand of football at the 90s and and it was the West Ham way was was that last season at Upton Park the first season under Billich and we played a really nice brand of football Um, and look we finished seventh four points off the top four Um, and I think a lot of fans I'm, I'm not saying that we should expect the same season but I think a lot of fans are, are hopeful and a little bit expectant of, you know, of a, of a season where we we turn London Stadium into a bit of a fortress. I think it's about time we. I think removing the toxicity from the stadium is yeah. is, is the yeah. target for and the season. That, whatever happens, that, that's my next point. Is that you know I think we need to. I think Pellegrini's biggest priorities needs to make sure that we're we're good at home. And I said this. I said this on Friday on, on, on my show in the afternoon that. If we're winning football matches at that stadium, the toxic the, there is no toxic atmosphere, and I think that's what he has to do. He has to go right. We need to make sure that we're we're, we're this is a fortress. We need to win games, and our first first few home games they're all winnable. You know we've got where is it Bournemouth Bournemouth, Bournemouth Wolves. Okay, we've got Chelsea, but we we beat Chelsea at home last season, and particularly in the state that Chelsea are in at the moment. I, th- I think that's that a winnable game. Man United again, the state they're in. But you'll you but you'll get an atmosphere home. against Manchester United. That's the thing. The, the, 
the weird thing has the, the weird thing has been everyone you know bangs on about it being a soulless bowl etc 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 but we we were both at the Leicester game last season David Moyes first game at home it was a one all draw it wasn't eventful at all atmosphere was outstanding mm. and and when there is an atmosphere in that stadium when the fans are happy it's it's, it's uh, no, obviously it's not going to be as imposing as Upton Park but there is a sense of hang on there is, you know I've spoken to players that I, I think Bournemouth went there and, and, and won one season I think and I've spoken to players from, from sort of their camp who have said it's like playing training sometimes mm. but if you can create that atmosphere that pulls that away and if you do that by playing on the front foot the thing that sparked that atmosphere against Leicester was the attitude of the players mm. fans could see they were working hard fans could see they were trying to do mm. something yeah. and it got the fans it got the, the chance going it, it created an atmosphere if you can do that from the off against Bournemouth and remove that toxic thoughts from the off then you've got a, a, a good foundation to build on at home I think there will be as well regardless of what happens against Liverpool on Sunday I think on on Saturday week there's an excitement it's the first game first down game of the season there's always a bit of a buzz first down game of the season and um, given what's happened this summer like we've already spoken about I think that, that place is going to be buzzing it's going to be rocking and if we score an early goal then that that I think could set us away for the rest of the season First time game, get an early goal, win 2 0, happy days, and we're away then. I still think you can cause Liverpool some damage, you know. I still think West Ham can do something. I'm really looking forward to watching that game. I, I'd like to think that we'll go and get a result there. Our record at Anfield is atrocious. I think it's one win in. One win in 55 years, I think it is, and that one win was under Bilic in that first season that I mentioned a minute ago. Um, and that, I mean, we were we were incredible that season under Billich, but that that win against Liverpool at Anfield three nil. Was that Rogers Liverpool? Yeah, it was Rogers. It was I mean Rogers was sacked, but I think a couple. Of and that was three nil. And then there was three, the three one at uh, the Poland as well. Do you remember that? That yeah. was a yeah. Sky show that all the time on repeat. Yeah, I it mean was a great game. Like that season, we we were very very good at. I think the only game we lost against a team in the top six was Tottenham away when they beat us four one at White Hart Lane. Other than that, we didn't lose a game against the top six. Um, and Liverpool was probably the biggest scalp out of that, you know, three 0 at Anfield, and we're rubbish there. Uh, but so if we go there, and I'm quite when when I saw the fixes come out, I was quite pleased to see Liverpool away first game because it's always the game that I dread. Yeah, you because get it out we never of the way. get it out of the way early, you know. And if you do lose, you've got 37 games to put it right. Um, we're not going there in the middle of a relegation battle. So what about a late burst into uh, the Europa League? <sighs> <laughs> I just think with the Europa League it, it, as a competition for the bigger clubs with massive squads it's good and like depth it's, you know strength and depth with reserves and, and youth products it's good it could work with West Ham especially you know after bulking up with numbers I, I think I think if we're going to get into the Europa League it's got to be straight into the group stages because it's that qualifying stage that that killed us twice last time. It, I mean, it could be the undoing of Burnley this year. Um, so if we're going to get into Europe, it's got to be the group stage. And, you know, if there's a manager that's going to take us there, it's Pellegrini. He's never finished below seventh in his in his career. Um, he took Malaga and um, and Villarreal to the Champions League quarterfinals, to semifinals, um, on really small budgets and the size of those clubs. I'm not saying he's going to take us to the Champions League, but... You know, <laughs> that, he, that would be if, something. It would be, wouldn't it? But, I mean, if he can get us into the Europa League... Um, then happy days. If we can finish sixth, then wow. It's the, it's the, the Europa League is the clear ambition for the club. 
It, it has been be. since they it's moved to the be, stadium. Yeah. It, it has to be for a club of West Ham size, for the investment they've put in this summer. Whether that's the target this year, I, I doubt it in, in terms of the internal targets. Mm. Obviously, they'd all love to do it this year. Whether that's the realistic internal target this year, I, I doubt it. I think it is more about what we spoke about in terms of, you know, a, a boring season in terms of what happens off the pitch. That mm. needs to be sorted out on the pitch. Some exciting football, nothing for the fans to get too unhappy about. Of course, you're going to lose some games, you're going to get hammered at, uh, on some weekends, but that's by the by. As long as there is still a, a thread through the season that is quite encouraging, and then you use that to kick on, and then it's Europa League or bust the season after, mm. then that seems like a more coherent plan. I think we've, I think we've got to be happy if it, if it goes like like the way you just described. Then I think I think we'd be happy. Um, and you know, next not this season, but the season after, if we're in that position and we're really going for Europe and we don't make it, then then it's not going to be the end of the world. At least we're showing a little bit of ambition of trying to get there, but we're also not doing it too too fast and not doing, trying to do it too quickly. Um, we have to be realistic, as I've said. We have to just look at where we are, take a step back, and go. No, let's just do things properly. Let's take our time um, and see where it goes. See where this ambition takes us. But you know, I, I think getting into the Europa League too quickly, like we did before, having to start on the second of July, like we had to do a couple of years ago. So like, no wonder we. I remember being at that game. That was an odd. Yeah, I mean, it's just like no team should be starting their season at the 2nd of July. I don't even know why they start them so early. So, as I said, if we're going to get into Europa League, and I'd love for us to be in Europa League uh, properly, that is, then it's got to be straight into the groups. It's got to be. Got to be. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I just I'm, I'm unsure with it unless again you're you're a massive club with you know the resources to go out and, and and buy big and you know you have big game plays the Thursday Sunday thing is just a nightmare especially cause, considering you're not going to places like you know your standard tourist destinations your Paris's your Madrid's where it's a two hour easy jet here and there mm. you know when you when you get to places like Anzi Maka Chakalaka and you know uh, go and give us some other ones. Astra, Astra Georgiou uh, yeah, yeah, Don't yeah, starve the, the lesser Hapoel The better Which one? Which Hapoel? Hapoel Beshaver That's the, the, There you go Yeah Carabag Oh yeah yeah. Well, you don't want to get a Carabag either But, but the, the Thursday Sunday thing Is a bit odd Because I mean Clubs play Wednesday Saturday but Clubs play You know You should be able to adapt to that it's well, the, I think it's psychological the, we, have a, we have a real well, problem you know? In the I've Premier League Of dealing with this Thursday Sunday thing I've never understood the The problem with it as you said, you know the Champions League teams have to do Wednesday to Saturday or, or whatever. Or even if you have midweek games, you're playing Wednesday to Saturday. Yeah, but then again, there's someone who's playing on a Tuesday. There'll be two or three playing on a Tuesday. Yeah, Champions League teams who may then go and play on a Sunday, or may go and play on a Saturday, or there might be someone who's very very lucky and go, does Tuesday Monday. Mm. You know, is on Monday night football. It's mm. it's that's how it works. But with the Europa League, you just you're sure you're going to get the bulk of them at, as Thursday uh, Thursday. Sundays. It's it's more of an issue for the fans in that you know you want to go and see your team at three o'clock on a Saturday. That's the, that, that is the the best time to go and watch football as a fan. Yeah, but for the players, it shouldn't be a problem. No, I don't think it should be an issue. But you, you're right in saying that you need, you do need a big squad to to deal with it. Um, and you're right that you know we we they're in, building towards that. As, yeah, as, as I was about to say, we're, we're building a squad. I mean, we haven't we've bought in eight players, but we've only sold two. So I mean, we're, we're building a squad, and it's depth that we, we we haven't had for a couple of years. 
um, dip, quality depth as well, not just players for for the sake of having players like it was a couple of years ago with like Faguli and Torre and Zaza and Arbelo and who else. Um, so it, it seems as though that's what they're building for, but not for an immediate return. And I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. As I said, just let's just finish my table this year. I've got, I, I really want a boring season where we don't really do much. We play some good football, but we don't. We're not looking over our shoulder, going, "Oh God, no, I hope they lose this week because otherwise we're going to get sucked I into." Remind it. you, you said boring in January. See how you feel about it then. <laughs> yeah, do do. I just don't. I, I really want a season where we're not looking over our shoulder. I don't want to go for a season where we're, we're fighting relegation or worried about relegation. My brother always says to me, "Because he prefers a season where it's a relegation battle because it's more exciting." I don't want to go for that again. It's painful, isn't it, to go through something like that? Yeah, and I, think, I think I think really if. If it ends up like that, with the the setup that's there now in terms of the coaching, the management, and the investment that has been, if in January West Ham are looking over their shoulder, something has gone seriously wrong. Something's gone seriously wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I think I don't think it will get to that. I think I think we've we've done all all the business that we should have done, made all the decisions that we should have done this summer to ensure that that doesn't happen again, or at least happen this season, and then we can go from there. But th- this should just be a, a foundation season. For, for Pellegrini and his team make sure he can keep him happy I think it's the priority yeah I just hope he gets enough time to implement everything properly I think he will I think they've almost put everything behind him and you know from from the first but I mean even before Bilic was sacked Pellegrini was their man mm. didn't come then Moyes came in Pellegrini was still their man they have like we were speaking about Anderson earlier they have shown everything to say that they want him. They've backed him to the hilt, and I think he'll get the time to do it. I think if there is a problem, it will probably come from the boardroom side, as it always does. The, the relationship between Sullivan and Pellegrini is decisive. It is at most clubs, but mm. the relationship between Sullivan and previous managers has never been I think too the fantastic. fact that we haven't heard from Sullivan, barely, I, th- I think, in this summer... We haven't heard a peak from him. There you go. It makes all the difference, though, doesn't it? The it it makes the manager's job a lot the fans easier. Fans aren't antagonised anymore. No, it makes the manager's job a lot easier. He does a lot of interviews where you sort of sit sit back and think, you know, in terms of a journalistic point of view, you're offered a, you're offered an interview with David Sullivan, you take it, mm. but you you sort of sit back and go, why are they letting him? You know, why why is he being allowed to 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 do this? And and you sort of read back the copy of what he said, and and it's like staggering that that he's that he. He thinks it's sensible to come out and say some of these things, but, but it puts a lot of pressure on the manager because Sullivan, once he said it, doesn't have to sit down and face the media every week and answer those questions. Mm. It will come to Pellegrini. It will come to before David Moyes, Billich. To I, I mean, things like when he came out and said about Fonte Snodgrass when he yeah. was talking about small changes. That fair enough, they, they've happened, but that's all left on. That was all then left on Moyes's. Moises Matt to pick up. This is this is part of the thing that I was saying that was that like I said earlier in that the, the moment David Sullivan stepped away from the limelight and and doing the business himself and handed that over to Pellegrini and and Husilos, the director of football, suddenly the club changed. The club the club became more efficient, more more professional. We got deals over the line before before they'd even been rumoured to be to even be anywhere close to being a deal it's a deal come out of nowhere um, Jack Wilshere took it was being reported two days and then, then he was in a West Ham shirt so with, without him 
mouthing off in the media we we've, we've become a, a football club again but do you like the fact that they're actually getting deals done rather than just talking about things yeah so it's much more it seems like literally just stuff is getting done properly yeah, we're a football club again there we're you go circus. there was a lot i mean with the, the carvalho is the obvious point to make there was a lot of oh we tried we tried we tried then i'll tell you what we'll release these emails so it looks like we tried and it's all a bit sort of you know after the fact it's like well, exactly. you know you might have tried exactly. but you clearly didn't try hard enough They've changed that now, and to be critical, it's about putting that ethos and and that approach into the other areas of the mm. club, like we spoke about earlier. Yeah, I mean, look, they by doing what they've done this summer, they've they've fixed probably the biggest issue I think that was surrounding the club. It was that it, it put the club in a really negative light. We were a bit of a laughing stock for a couple of years. Um, and he, with a fallout from Carvalho, which is ridiculous for a, for a professional and, football club, and and stuff, like that. and they, they've just gone. They've had they had to do it because they, the fans were just had enough. Let's name some uh, some players who have played for both West Ham United and Liverpool. Go on, Julian Dix, David James, Jermaine Pennant. Am I so wise? Jermaine Pennant he hasn't played for West Ham. I thought he played for West, West Ham. Ham. For some reason, about? I thought he played for West Ham. Arbeloa, no. What? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. He played for Liverpool? Yeah, he did play for Liverpool. There you go, yeah. Go on. Uh, Rigobert Song. TT Kamara. Neil Ruddock. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this. David James. I said, already it, said, that. said it already. I said David James, sorry. Oh, oh we're, we're struggling here. Yeah, we are. We are struggling here. Players to play for both West Ham and Liverpool. Peter Crouch now played for West Ham, didn't he? Nah. No. no. Play for Villa. Surprises me. Never did those. The sort of player we'd sign. He is still good. Yossi Ben Ayoun. Yossi Ben Ayoun. Yeah, cool. Joe Cole. Does yeah, yeah. Very good answer. Yossi Ben Ayoun. Uh, he's got me more. There's a hundred. Javier Mascherano. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who else? West Ham and Liverpool. God, I don't this know. makes great radio. <laughs> but I thought it'd be quite a nice little segue into talking about the game. Evidently not. It's just us three just sitting there going. Uh, <laughs> not I sure can't think of any. Any others? Well, I let's can't. call it. Should we, should we call it the the TT Kamara Derby? Let's call it. <laughs> the, it's West Ham United who take on Liverpool. It's a long schlep up to uh, to Anfield on Sunday. Are you going? Uh, no, I'm not going this week. No, you're not. No, I'm at Fulham this weekend. No, you're from this week. Oh, posh. Um, <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be one of them ones where you're driving up and you've got that uh, that that massive bit of optimism with that just slight hint of uh oh because <laughs> they are dangerous you know and driving it, up it, early as well it, well yeah it pains me to say how dangerous Liverpool are yeah um, you know naturally it does because I support Manchester United but it's really, really worrying at what they can do. But surely they've still got a bit of that soft underbelly. They, Jan Lovren, you know, maybe, just maybe he hasn't recovered from the World Cup. They've got Alassie in goal. He's under pressure. Mo Salah's under pressure. Second season syndrome could kick in. You never know. You might is be able it, to go and do some bizzo here. Dejan Lovren's the best best defender in the world. Oh, he is. Will he play? I, I don't know if he's back in training yet, is he? I hope not, because he's the best defender in the world. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think uh, you never know, can you? You can't. It's the opening day of the season, so you can't call it. I think, like you said earlier, given the West Ham's record there, and given the the type of challenge it will be to go to Anfield this season, there's no real better time to play them than the first game of the season when anything could happen. Yeah. And if you lose, so what? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm of the view that I'm exactly that. We we go we go there on Sunday. We we play the game that we we intend to play for the rest of the season. If we nick a point, happy days. If we get all three, then what on earth's going on here? <laughs> um, but if we lose, then if we lose, then it's we've got 37 games to 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 bounce back, and uh, then you got Bournemouth at home the next game, which is which is a very winnable game. So I. As I said before, I'm quite happy that we have got them early on, given our record there. Get it out of the way, and if we take anything from it, then then brilliant. But under under that season at Bil- uh, 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 under Billich a couple of years ago, we on the opening day of the season we played Arsenal away. I remember that game. No one gave us a chance, and we won two nil. And that's, that where, really, that's where the Reese Oxford that was the fable Reece Oxford. came yeah, from. That yeah, suddenly this wonder kid that yeah. Which he wasn't. No, um, but that 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 set the tone for our season. That that win at the Emirates, and I I, I truly believe that if we can, I'm not saying we're going to win two 0 at Anfield on Sunday. It'd be, like, it'd be nice, obviously. But if we can get a, a positive result or put in a positive performance and not get trounced four or five nil. Then that will set the tone for for what should be or what could be a really I, a really positive season. I mean, look, I can't see it being a nil nil. Yeah. It won't be a nil. No, there's no chance it'll be a nil nil. I think it'll I'd be- love it if there is though. Can you imagine <laughs> coming Monday? So it was a nil nil, was it? Yeah. <laughs> Plenty to talk about, <laughs> but I, I think the 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 main thing to take from it there'll be nuances in the way that the team he selects, which will develop over the first few weeks of the season. But always interesting to see what who who gets the nod on the opening day. The approach is the the sort of key thing. How will Pellegrini approach games mm. against against the top six this season? Because I think fans are sick to death of of going to places and and sitting back. I mean, teams tried it time and again at Manchester City last season. West Ham were very good at City last season. Got unlucky. Uh, I think Southampton conceded like the ninety sixth minute. Mm. Sterling scored. Went there, sat back, got a goal on the break, but. It, it just didn't really work. There was, there was a couple of occasions where it did, but for the amount of teams that went to places like Anfield, like the Etihad, and played that way, it came off once or twice mm. across the whole season. Mm. And I think, like you said earlier, fans would rather go there and see their team try and do something at these stadiums, get a bit of excitement, a few chances, take them if you can, obviously, but instead of just going there and, and waiting to get beat, I think, especially with the games in London. You go to Tottenham, you don't want to see, in a game like that, a derby like that, your side sitting back. You go to Chelsea, it's the same. You go to Arsenal, it's the same. You don't want to see your side sitting back like that. And, I mean, I mean losing 4-1 at Arsenal, it wasn't a scoreline that reflected the game. No, West Ham played a lot better no, than that. Yeah. And it was a couple of silly mistakes. But you go there and you put in an encouraging performance, especially early in the season, when you've got a couple of tricky games against bigger sides. Mm-hmm. It can, like you said, set the tone for the rest of the season. When I think, I think we were looking at fixtures um, a few minutes ago, and and once you get through your your run of sort of Arsenal, United, City, uh, Spurs, Liverpool on the opening day, obviously, towards Christmas it gets a lot easier. If you can take uh, a sort of positive run of form from against the big sides, like they did under Moyes against Chelsea and Arsenal earlier, yeah, uh, at the end towards the end of last season, if you can do that. Then it puts you in a brilliant place when you come up against the teams that you you can beat and you should beat. Yeah, I think you're right as well that 
that spell under Moyes last year where we, we beat Chelsea, drew with Arsenal, and then we went to Man City and put in a really good performance. We're unlucky not to take anything away from the Etihad. Um, even after that City defeat, because we played well and we had our chances, and okay, we spent a lot of the game really soaking up City pressure, but we we played on the counter attack, and it, you know it was quite exciting for West Ham team to attack away. You know, I mean, I'm very excited just seeing West Ham attack Man City goal. Have the ball at Man City is quite nice. Yeah, and that even after we lost that, it, we, we we had a lot of confidence going into the next game, and and I think if if we can do something similar on, on I mean. The, the brand of football will be completely different to what we saw at the Etihad last season I'm sure against um, Liverpool on Sunday but we go to Anfield on Sunday and lose 2-1 playing good football it um, puts a marker down doesn't it it, puts it, puts, down. it shows the, the rest of the sides outside the top six in the Premier League that this is how we're going to do things this season mm-hmm. we're not going to lump in with that sitting back anti-football almost I mean mm. if, if it works it works if it gets results it works but you see at Manchester United how annoyed their fans are with the way Jose Mourinho is playing football mm. you you pay a lot of money now in the Premier League you you want some entertainment rightfully so but it, it will send out a message to the rest of the Premier League that you know we're, we're, we're going to attack you this season you need to be ready for it yeah yeah and I think um, I don't think we've got much to worry about on that front P- Pellegrini is the top is is the top manager? That's what he's been brought in for. Exactly, uh, that that will be that will be his remit, won't it? Uh, just to attack teams and play play the brand of football that the fans are demanding that the the club is known for. And I think I'm not I, I, I'm not going to say that we're going to win on Sunday because I don't think we will. Um, as much as I'd love us to win, but a good performance. And it, do you know what? It's really exciting at the moment because we really don't know what to expect yeah there's that element of unpredictability yeah we don't know who what your strongest strongest 11 is going to be we don't know how he's going to set up against the top six we don't know we don't really know anything so it's it's really exciting and I, I really don't no one really knows what's going to happen next is this the most exciting time in the club for you know, I can't remember the last time West Ham fans had this sort of buzz bar, you know, for a limited point under Billich. But then again, under Billich, there was still always that element that the board might let you down. This is definitely the most exciting time. But we know the board and we know that the board could still yet let us down. And as I said right at the beginning of the show, the board have still got a lot to do to get fans back on side. But what they've done this year is given the fans hope and excitement and something to something to be ambitious about, something to dream of. And that's what we really wanted. They, you know, moving stadium, that's all we really wanted was something to actually get behind and believe. And I think that's what they've done uh, by appointing Pellegrini and spending over 100 million quid, which is what it will be. And uh, she's just given, given us something to look forward to. Um, and that's why I, I really can't wait for Sunday, just to see, just to see how it, just to see what happens. Like, this is the first manager we've had that we could probably truly call world class in the Premier League era, at least. And that's that's mainly why it's so exciting because we've actually finally got someone that has the cal- has the ability, has the the pedigree and the and the caliber behind them to take West Ham to that next level that so-called next level that the owners keep going, banging on about when we move stadium we're going to go to the next level well it took a couple of years but you've actually got a manager that's capable of doing that now let's see if we can do it not straight away as I've said let's you know we need to be careful but it's exciting and you know any West Ham fan will, will, will be in exactly the same boat 
playing devil's advocate, how quickly does that excitement dissipate if it doesn't, you know, a loss at Anfield, loss against Bournemouth, does that then pull it back down to same old West Ham or I think I think West Ham fans have got to be realistic given the, the the amount of change that's happened this summer. You know, it's not just eight or nine players coming in, it's a whole new coaching staff. It's a whole new philosophy off the pitch. The players the players that were already here have still got to get used to new training methods, probably new um you know, new ways of new diets, probably the way that Pellegrini works. I don't know. So it's well, not. They've got. They, they're probably getting ketchup back and probably getting oven chips. Oven chips. Mo- yeah. Moyes always bans wherever he goes. But with all of that, you know, things don't happen overnight. And I think fans have got to understand that. And we'll, we'll should need to understand that. It's not. He's not going to come in and turn us into this, this this fantastic top six club straight away. I think a lot of. I, see, I think if, the if, early if, if he turned you into a top six club at all, he would have done. Is that, yeah, <laughs> but, I mean the early signs are good. The, the noises coming out of the club are really, you know, really positive. The, from what you know, you hear from players, um, and the reports coming out that you know the players have really, really bought into what Pellegrini wants the club to be, and um, off the pitch and on the pitch. So, I, I think that. It's not going to happen. I think fans have just got to go. Even if after ten games, I mean, we've only got two or three wins. I think we okay. Be patient. It's not. It's not okay. It's not what we expected, given the positivity at the moment. But I don't think that would be any reason to call for him to be sacked, which he won't be because the club won't be able to afford sacking yeah, given true. the contract he's on. Um, and it would be way too soon. I think if, if we're really going to build something under Pellegrini, we need to give him time. But, but with the club not being able to so-called afford it. I mean, is there an element of risk? Of course, there's an element of risk in any managerial appointment. There's an element of risk in any player signing. Football, nine times out of ten, I would say is all you know, risk, isn't it? You know, you're always making risk with these with these decisions. Um, I think Mourinho to United is the example. Of that. I think everyone thought Mourinho and United were the perfect fit. <coughs> it's not really gone yeah. down that way, but I think. But this is a calculator risk from Yeah. I think this this is one like we like we said that they have chased Pellegrini for well over a year now. Mm. They they've known they want him to come to the club. They're trying to build the club to the point where he will want to come there. And isn't it it's an attractive club for players and, and for managers in, in terms of the potential that's there. You know, whatever you think of having London on the badge, that ridiculous argument mm. that sells it to 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 people coming from outside of the country. Because you have you can sell London as a city, in terms of players coming in, managers coming in, yeah. And then beyond that, there is that that potential there to turn it into this club that that you know, not maybe not every season, but one or two out of three seasons gets into the to the Europa League and and puts you on that platform. Let's put it this way: Felipe Anderson isn't signing for West Ham if David Moyes is still manager. No, nor is Yarmolenko. You know, nor is nor is anyone. Jack Wilshere might have done, but the others, they would have gone. Nah, you're no, no. Right. I, I think bringing in Pellegrini what, what has Pellegrini's made the club even more attractive, and and it's and it's put the ambition of signings to another level. In that, as much as I liked Moyes as a manager, and I liked the, the, the work he did at West Ham, I think the way he got treated by some sections of fans and the board as well, Agreed. towards yeah. the end of the season, was completely. Out, out of order given what he'd done for the club um, he'd done everything that was asked for him 
in and, and handled things that he shouldn't have to have handled, like that Burnley game, thing, mm. other things. But he wouldn't have made these ambitious signings. Very quickly, I, I'll really be meaning to ask this, but David Moyes left West Ham United at the end of last season. Um, he was brought in to, you know, for a bit of a firefighting mission. It wasn't spectacular. He got the job done. You know, there were high moments. There were low, uh, very, very low points as mm. well. But what I want to know is, has he damaged his reputation further by going to a club like West Ham when there was a toxic atmosphere? You know, he's taken such difficult jobs after Manchester United. How would you rank West Ham? You know, within those jobs, I think he's he's certainly enhanced his reputation a long, long way. Yeah, definitely, he was he was a, a a bit of a laughing stock, really, when he left um, Sunderland, especially when he went out to Spain. But they're all good. I mean, he, he spoke about his experiences in Spain a lot with us. Um, no, he's, he's enhanced his reputation. No, and I think going back there slowly building it back you got you got the sense he wanted to do something like he did at Everton at West Ham as long as the relationships and the structures were in his favour I don't think he had much patience for hanging around if if things weren't going to go his way um, and then I think the way that he was potentially treated by by the board and fans at the end of the season mm. sort of confirmed that that concern that he had but I think no he went there with a job he more than did that. He didn't keep them up by you know by the skin of their teeth. He, he kept them up points, fairly comfortably. Yeah. yeah, and like you said, you did have some some really good nights following the club. You know, you got the the win over Chelsea moments like that. But um, no, going from being at his first game away at Watford when they were they were an absolute shambles, one of the worst games I've ever seen Mark Noble have was, was at Watford, and mm. Arnautovic was seemingly the only player to shine that day and that's a, that's a key role in it as well as what he did what he and his coaches did with Mark Arnautovic mm. speaking with them you know they, they sort of they appreciate his character and what it is and what that can bring to a team you've just got to channel that sort of eccentricity to an extent mm. they did a fantastic job with him because it, it just wasn't working at all under Bilic he was woeful under Bilic um but no, cert- certainly reputation was enhanced by it. I'd always have, I'd always have a lot of respect for David Moyes for what he did for us last season. Okay, the brand, the brand of football wasn't great at times, well, most of the time. Um, I think it was better than it gets credit for. I think, I think they were a lot more direct and and attack. A lot of people saw it as the most pessimistic football you could play. But there were teams out there playing a lot yeah, worse football yeah, than West Ham. But at the same time, I mean, he had his faults, um, his dithering. When it came to substitutions, really, really annoyed fans, um, and I think also cost us points at times. But regardless of all that, he did what he came into the club to do, and that was to keep us in the Premier League, and he did that more than comfortably. Um, in, as you said, Darren, in in a real toxic atmosphere, the club was rotten. He dealt with a lot of things that, that no manager he, would want to or should have to deal with. Exactly. Particularly after, I mean, that Burnley game and everything that came with that and came after that and the fallout of that Burnley game, that came after we'd beaten Chelsea. We drew with Arsenal. We had a good performance up at Man City. We'd won away at Stoke 3-0. And it was like, hang on. After that, he's got he's got the club in a really good mood, and then that happens. The next home game after that, beat Southampton three 0 Yeah, uh, to to do that 
to to really change the club's fortunes off the back of that I mean a lot of clubs would have just crumbled and died then uh, and a lot of managers wouldn't have known really what to do or where to turn well, you know a lot of managers would, would not have faced up to it at all yeah and he did and he dealt and with it that's in, why, in a professional manner that's why I've got I'll always have a lot of respect for David Moyes um, a lot of fans don't feel the same a lot of fans have had enough of him um, but I think that's a really unfair way of, unfair way of looking at what he did under the circumstance that he did them did it so I mean and I've, I've said on this show a couple of times in the past before I knew Pellegrini was coming in I was actually a little bit a little bit sad that they, they were going to let David Moyes go because I, I, I felt that given backing in the, in, the, in the summer he had plans he had he had an opportunity to build something maybe not to the extent of Everton but maybe just to give the club a little bit of stability I don't think he would have been able to attract those names as we mentioned before You're right yeah. you know look at the quality of player he brought in Sunderland the likes of Brian Oviedo mm. and you know basically the old band from Everton I reckon it would have been a similar but sort of thing he did have a very different approach to, to the transfer market than Pellegrini does and a less ambitious one but in terms of the club as a whole he always spoke at length with us about the big plans for creating this West Ham model. That was a real problem with West Ham, and, and it's still something that is is a question mark of, of what is a West Ham player. Mm. We might get that after a couple of seasons of Pellegrini. You go, that is a, that's the player that West Ham signed. Mm. But before that, there was a scattergun approach, and Moyes knew that. He, he wanted to lay out this almost sort of, you know, point-by-point plan of a West Ham player has this, 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 and this. Yeah. And then you create that ethos throughout the club yeah. he wanted to do a lot of rush green he wanted to 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 build the club into something i think i think what the club what the club's been crying out for for so many years um and i'm even going back into i include the last season upton park in this because it was a one-off season the club has been crying out for stability a real you know, a real platform to grow the one good i mean i, I don't in, in in my entire lifetime west ham haven't had two good seasons in a row it's always one good season followed by a couple of bad ones we'd never have any stability and i think david moyes would have given us that i think pellegrini will give us that and more i'm not saying that you know they've made a bad decision by going for pellegrini and not keeping moyes but before i knew pellegrini was involved i thought no do you know what they they could be making a mistake here because moyes is, is is the right man to just give us the stability that we crave, particularly in this new stadium where we need to, we can't afford to be out of the Premier League in that stadium. It'd be a nightmare. It'd be a disaster. And I think if we really wanted the stability, then it should have been him. But we've got Pellegrini in now. Yeah, that, that said, happy. there won't be any West Ham fan that I, would, would take Moyes over Pellegrini. I just wonder if they'd, they'd have trusted him maybe with that budget and, and maybe not you know said get there you go go and leave your stamp on that team would the the fans have given Moyes the backing with those those players I'm I'm not sure they no, would have they wouldn't have done no, he wouldn't have Pellegrini would have far more time than Moyes would have got yeah the fans would have I mean the difference is if under, under Moyes if we went to Liverpool this weekend and, and lost they'd be straight on his back yeah. whereas this time they won't be he'll it, have time they'd be patient with him and um, he'll, he'll have chances to put it right gents West Ham United take on Liverpool Anfield Sunday. Give us a score prediction. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on the fence and I'm gonna say a two all draw. I was gonna say two all, so I'll say three two Liverpool. Cheers, mate. Hey, I'll go six nil West Ham. It's Love Sport Radio. <laughs> Thank you very much to James Jones and to Jack for uh, for joining us, gents. It's been an absolute pleasure. Sports Social Podcast Network.